kids ministry worker or a greeter at their church or they're a musician at their church or they're an elder at their church or whatever it may be. One of the things that we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to try and find our fulfillment out of the work we get to do for God rather than have our fulfillment in God and then we do the work out of the overflow. And I think I've definitely found that where it's like, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but like you're looking for an identity in the midst of that. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco and host Billy Hallowell. Each week we share a conversation between Daniel and Billy, and sometimes a special guest will join in. Perhaps one of the most common traps we fall into as believers is determining how fulfillment should be based off our roles. As Pastor Daniel and host Billy share in their discussion today, Fulfillment is first achieved through God. The roles we commit to are in response to that initial fulfillment. Now, here's Daniel and Billy with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. What I found is that when a person gets saved, that capacity to cistern building is still there. And sometimes we have to go through that as believers where we realize, oh, you know, all this stuff that I think matters, it doesn't matter. Like I've seen, we've seen a lot of believers with this recent election. You saw a lot of believers who lost their happiness in the election. And it's like, well, hold on a second. Like is Jesus fulfilling or is he not? But it happens because we can, we can build ourselves a cistern so easily. And I see it in my own life all the time. So I'm not talking down on anyone. I'm like, this has been my experience. We all do it. Well, and it's, you think about the material world that we live in and it's always been a material world, but right now I feel like everything is the here and now, right? Like culturally. And I feel like for me, I can't speak for other Christians. It's so easy to fall into that. Like, oh, you know, you just, you think so earthly because, and not, not just with stuff, just in general. And when that happens, I often find that it distracts me away from focusing on what I should be focusing on, which is what God wants for me. How should I act today? How should I love people today? What should, you know, and you start to kind of just think through the thing and, and listen, life is busy, right? Like we get busy. There's things that happen when you mentioned the election, you know, you, you start to put your faith in things that are in before us, like materially here instead of God and God. And so that seems to be a really toxic thing that I, that I catch myself in and I have to constantly be pulling myself back out of that. And I find for me that like being in the word every day is what really helps, you know, that, that when I start my day, which I do every, every morning, that really helps me and keeps me going for you. What would you say has been, and you mentioned before, like you were feeling a little bit unfulfilled. You had the book, you had the church going, like what has been your hardest struggle in ministry when it comes to happiness and how have you overcome that? Well, yeah, there's a number of things. And I, I think what you're saying is really pressing on it for all of us because, you know, they say that we live in an, in an attention economy, that, that everything is driven to keep your attention. And so whether it's social media or the news or websites, everyone's just trying to keep you, keep your attention. Like my, my son who's 16 just said to me, dad, don't forget if something's for free, you're the product. 
And it's such, such a brilliant statement. He's like, if, you, if they're giving you something for free. Your son's smart. <laughs> I mean, he gets it from his mom, you know what I mean? And like he said it to me, I was just like, oh, that's so good. Like, cause he had, he had read it somewhere and it made a lot of sense to him. And so, so because we live in an, in an, in an attention economy, the reason we're all struggling is because there is, it's a multi-billion dollar industry to have our awareness and our attention. And so what you're saying, I think is so powerful because what happens is, is God is not doing like a blitz media campaign to get your attention. He speaks in a still small voice. You know what I mean? Like, so we, we have to intentionally make those decisions to give God our attention, to give him our awareness, to realize who we are in him. And it's not that the things that we're going through are not important. It's not like the here and now is inconsequential. It just shouldn't be what's driving our character and our personalities. Now, to, to get to your question about uh, in the ministry, one mistake that a lot of people who do the work of ministry, and I believe we are all in ministry, it's just a matter of where, what seat we're serving from. But for people like maybe like me who are pastors or in vocational ministry or someone's like a, a kid's ministry worker or a greeter at their church or they're a, a musician at their church or they're an elder at their church or whatever it may be, one of the things that we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to try and find our fulfillment out of the work we get to do for God rather than have our fulfillment in God. And then we do the work out of the overflow. And I think I've definitely found that where it's like, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but like you're looking for an identity in the midst of that. I remember my pastor, pastor John Henry Corcoran, he said to me, it was so provocative. He said, Daniel, if we ever get asked to step down from a ministry, we always have to remember, we don't ever step down because we've never been up. We simply step aside and we let the Lord do what he wants to do. And I remember it was a very provocative statement because I never thought about it that way. But I, what I realized was that sometimes we think that, oh, they're asking me to step down and that's bad. It's like, no, no, you only step down when you're up. But if Jesus is up, if he's increasing and we're decreasing, we never are up. We just serve at yeah. the pleasure of the king. And if someone says, hey, I don't want you to do that anymore, then we we see how easily our identity gets tied up in these things. And, and I'm not saying this is like, I've never made this mistake. I'm sure I'm probably making it right now, you know? But when you become aware of it, you say, oh Lord, forgive me for my pride, forgive me. And then all of a sudden, you, God frees us up to be happy in him and then enjoy the things that we get to do in his name. But those things should not be identity builders. And maybe it's good for all of us. Like I had never thought about how hard it is for pastors. Like, it, being a pastor is an amazing, but it's a hard job. And there was some survey data out of you know Lifeway, I think it was, where they were they were asking pastors about different struggles and what it's like. And you really saw what an amazing position it is. But I think at the same time, a struggle for some people. And then you have all of us kind of sitting there and we're listening to you guys and we're watching and you talked about like stepping aside, but I think a lot of times as parishioners and people in churches, it's really easy to elevate the pastor up and to kind of contribute to that too, right? Like that whole dynamic of not that a pastor isn't leading the church. That's not my point, but I think you know what I mean. Like acting like this person is never going to make a mistake. They're all the way up here. They're, they're so perfect. And it creates these unrealistic expectations. I think too, I can't speak for you, but it's just, it's always interesting to me, that dynamic between churches and the people going to church and a pastor. And when it comes to the happiness of that pastor as well, I think you need to consider those things. Or am I, am I off base? I don't know. No, I, I think you're right on. And there's an old saying that expectations ruin relationships. So like, like your pastor or your priest or the spiritual leader who you're listening to, they're just a person just like you. And so like, like I always tell people that what, what one of the things that makes 
being a pastor so hard is that I'm the biggest issue I have in the ministry. Like me personally, I'm my own issue. And so pastors are just, they're, they're fallen yet redeemed people. And so in a lot of ways for me, I don't feel kind of crazy expectations from the Crossroads family because they know me. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I have dreadlocks. Like, so it's like, no one's like, oh man, this guy's so holy. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and I've tried to do a good job of just being like, when I'm talking, like I said it already in this time, like I'm not preaching down on anyone. Like I'm just, I'm on the journey too. Like at best, I'm a sheep with a teaching gift. You know what I mean? And so, so I'm just trying to follow Jesus myself. And there's times when I'm going to get stuff wrong. I think what happens is, is that, you know, we should never put expectations on our leaders that we don't have for ourselves. You know, because I within yeah. the kingdom of God, I do not believe that Jesus has a different standard for pastors and for other people. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things that if a pastor does, he loses his opportunity to sit in that role. And that's very real. But like for any believer, they do those same things. It's bad for them. You know, yeah. and, and so so yeah. I think for for me, you know, I, I think the the reality is that I can do a better job pastoring when I find my joy in Jesus, not in the response that I get from the people. You know, like, like, yeah. like, and, and when that happened, and I think that's true for everything, like your vocation becomes something that is destructive rather than edifying when we put the wrong eggs in that basket. Like God gave us work as a, uh, as a gift, go back and read Genesis chapter two. But if we make our work, the place of fulfillment, whether it's ministry or writing or teaching or being a parent or what, all of these things, when, when we give it undue clout, in our hearts, it becomes destructive and, and it tears us down and it, and it steals and robs our joy. Yeah. And I mean, I can say that, you know, as, as somebody who, and you could relate to this too, when you're writing a book or you're working on a project and it releases, you know, when you start to obsess over what everybody's saying about it, not that you don't want to take constructive criticism or anything like that, but when you start to obsess over the sale and how many people saw it, and if these people didn't see it, you know, you start to take away from, again, if you, if you're doing what God called you to do, you can't obsess about those other details. There may be three people who were supposed to read that book. And it may be for those three people there. Hopefully there's more, but, and it's easy to get yourself worth wrapped up into comments and reviews. And, and this is just one example. It's the same, no matter what we're talking about in life, you know, and, and we've got to be so careful of that. And so when I think about crazy happy, which I love, I love the title, obviously the title of the podcast too, but I love the title of the book. If somebody picks up crazy happy, they read it, they finish it. What do you want them to be kind of like thinking and feeling? What's the takeaway in your mind, the optimal takeaway? Well, I think the optimal takeaway is that they'd find themselves on the crazy happy journey. Like, you know, like they'll, they'll find themselves happier and not because their, their circumstances change, but because they've changed and how they're seeing their circumstances because they're letting Jesus define what this all looks like. Like, I always think it's so, it's so powerful to me. The second beatitude, oh, how happy is the person who mourns for they will be comforted. I mean, that's so, that's so countercultural. Most people say, man, I'll be happy when I'm not sad. I'll be happy when nothing breaks my heart. Like, I'll be happy when I'm never grieving. But then Jesus is like, oh, oh, how happy are those who grieve because they'll get comforted. Yeah. And so like, so my hope in the book is that literally people will find themselves happy when everyone else is like, man, that's great. Like, why are you happy right now? And you say, well, listen, like this situation is tragic and I'm grieving like my own sinfulness, my own brokenness. The, I'm watching the brokenness of my society. This is all messed up. But I know that God is going to work through this and God is going to redeem this in some ways that I can't even understand. And because of that, I am grieving, 
but I'm trusting in the God of all comfort to bring me comfort and to bring beauty out of this train wreck. And that is so crazy to think that way. You know what I mean? Beauty out of the train wreck. I like that. (laughs) That's to be our new rock band, Billy. People right now are panicking, I think, in the church about what's happening outside of the church and also what's going on inside of the church. I mean, there have been scandals, there have been things that have happened, and we don't even need to get into them, but but it rocks you a little bit. And I think, again, when you're, when things are not centered in the right way, it's really easy to allow those things to spin you into a total panic. And so you don't consider what you just said. You don't think about the fact that God's going to work through all of these things, no matter what is going on in culture. It might mean that we need to refine ourselves and step up a little bit more so we can rejoice in all those circumstances, right? Because it's not like, oh, you know, Jesus says, rejoice when things are going well. Rejoice when you're getting a raise at work. Rejoice. Yeah. It's like rejoice all the time. And I've told you, I'm a, I could be a complainer. And so that's something that I've been thinking about a lot and that your book really, really helps with. And so I'm, I'm excited for you on this journey. Have you, so like you've been talking a lot about the book with people. What has been the most rewarding part of that? Just getting a chance to kind of like sit down and have conversations like this with all different people around media. I mean, you've been everywhere. Like it's like you've cloned yourself to do interviews, I feel like. That, well, that's a horrifying thought. One of me is more than enough for everybody, including me. But you know, what's been really encouraging, Billy, is that like, there's a constant sentiment that I'm hearing from people is that we need to think about this stuff now, you know, like, and, and I just love, like, I don't love what's happening, but I love the timeliness of this discussion. Another thing that's been really encouraging is that, you know, people have a tendency, you know, the, the book of Proverbs says that a fool answers a matter before they hear it. So like, obviously you write a book called crazy happy. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there, right? Like what, like where you have the answer, you don't even know what it is. And so uh, you write a book called crazy happy, nine surprising ways to live the truly beautiful life. And people assume that they know what it's going to talk about. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's a book about being happy and you know what I mean? Who's this guy think he is? And the world is really jacked up. So why is he talking about being happy? And then some, some of those folks are starting to open the book and they realize that I'm like, oh, like this isn't like, some trivial super like this there's some deep stuff that we're talking about in there where we're talking about like we talked about grieving we, t- we you know in the book i talk about being a peacemaker you know if there's ever a season in the life of the world that we need peacemakers it's right now you know like our world is full of competition it's full of conflict it's full of rivalry you know in that kind of environment a peacekeeper is rare and a peacemaker is unheard of but Jesus is the great peacemaker. And as we abide in him and as we find our identity in him, he invites us in every situation not to create more drama. You know, like I always like to say conflict is inevitable, but drama is a choice. And creating drama is the opposite of being a peacemaker. Nobody feels peaceful when there's drama, you know? And so just talking about these things in real time, but like, you can't just pretend like make some faux peace, like some sort of super, it's like, no, it's like, only when you're at peace with God through the finished work of Jesus, and then you have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, guards your heart and mind, that upward peace with God, the inward peace, God's peace guarding our hearts and minds, then, then we can be outward, proactive peacemakers. And so as people are reading it, they're like, oh, this is not like, like you think it's going to be one thing. And all of a sudden you get into, you're like, oh, this is deep. Like, like there's some stuff, there's some stuff to think about here. And there's some concepts that Jesus talked about that are just so relevant for exactly where we're living right now. Yeah. I mean, especially as people 
are feeling the pressure of the things happening in culture. And that pressure can create, because I know it has for me before, the tendency to react in a way that isn't peacemaking, right? Or peacekeeping. It, it, it gives you sort of a, it's a panic reaction, or I need to be forceful about this because this is the truth. And it's like, well, you know, being a peacemaker doesn't mean abandoning the truth. It's what you do with the truth and how you handle it and how you handle other people. Because I think that call to love God and love others, it to me is saying, love God, love what's true, love what God tells you is true, and love others based on that and living that out. And so I think people need to pick this book up because we need that blueprint right now because of that pressure. And I know, again, that pressure is toxic and we're seeing how toxic it is right now inside and outside of churches and especially outside. But a lot of times I think we're so focused on the outside, like outside of the church. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. Well, yeah, we know what's going on outside, but how do we fix what's going on inside so that we can react to that in the appropriate way? You know, I think what, really what you're saying is, is it's really right on because I think in a, in a culture that is reactive, then you allow the, the reaction to be in kind with what you're receiving. So like one of the things that we find, like the, the nine surprising ways that we talk about in Crazy Happy, it's the Beatitudes with the fruit of the Spirit. Now you think about some of the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is patience. So reacting in impatience to somebody who comes at us is antithetical to abiding in Jesus, right? Like, so like patience yeah. is a fruit. Kindness is a fruit. So it's like gentleness is a fruit. So it's like, you know, I make the point in the book that, oh yeah, you know, so when, when we abide in Jesus and we're happy in Jesus, then we're going to be gentle with everybody because we realize that everybody is fragile. So like Jesus is amazing when you watch him moving through the gospels in the way that he responds to people's aggressions with kindness, with gentleness. And it's not that he abandons the truth to do this. He just doesn't let them set the playing field for the interaction. He's not reacting to them. He is proactive to who his father is and who he is in him. And now he's living in the world. And I think that I make the case in the book that that really what God wants for his people is he doesn't want us to be a the, the temperature gauge, the thermometer that just kind of takes the temperature of the culture and blends in. He wants us to be a thermostat. And so in a world full of aggression, he wants us to be meek. In a world that lacks kindness, he wants us to be kind. In a world where people are aggressive, he wants us to be gentle. You know, And when yeah. we abide in Jesus, we, we begin to live differently. And I always think of Peter and John in the book of Acts, where they were unlearned men, but the Sanhedrin council knew that they had been with Jesus by the way that they were handling themselves. And I'm like, would to God that the people of God in this generation, people be like, I don't agree with them, but they've definitely been with Jesus. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're, they're self-sacrificially loving. They're joyful. They're peacemakers. They're patient. Like, like, like people be like, how are you so patient? Oh, don't miss the last fruit of the spirit, self-control. <laughs> Talk about that's a big the one. key to reaction, you know, to not repay somebody evil for evil, but good. And I think what's going on is our culture is so aggressive. It's so unsafe, it's so toxic, it's so violent that Christians are now giving themselves liberty to be like it. And I'm like, well, actually, Jesus doesn't give us that liberty. That is dead on. And, and I can tell you as somebody who came into media really young and was really driven to like go out and do interviews, you become driven, and this is just terrible, I'm just going to say, you become driven 
to go out and argue with people, right? Because that's how you get on TV. You go out and you argue with people. And so you go, and I remember a couple of times, honestly, that were sort of like very, very, there were moments where I thought, this doesn't feel right. And I was sitting in a room with 20 people and it was a panel of 20 people that was set up just to fight and argue. And I remember filming it and thinking, this is not natural. And I couldn't even say anything in that moment. I was like, this is not something that I should be doing. And so no judgment on those who choose to do it. I don't think that when you enter into it with that mentality, which is the mentality that I had of like, I'm an only I'm only going to get screen time if I argue, right? That's how this is going to happen. That's the problem. And so that's manifest itself over and over and over again. It's a snowball of chaos right now. It's almost like a rubber band ball. It's not even a snowball. It's like ready to explode at any moment. And you know, you have to kind of walk away from that and say this is not helpful, right? You're not going to get anything out of that. Uh, there's so many other ways to reach people with with the truth. And so I think what you're talking about is so important. What would you, where would you point people? If people are like, I got to get this book, I need to deal with these issues in my life. I got to find happiness. Where do they go to do that? Well, if you just put in my name or crazy happy in your browser window, wherever you like to get books, you can get it there. You know, whether, whether you do it on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or Lifeway or Target or Walmart or, you know, you know, Books a Million or the indie bookstores and it's there. And obviously like there, there's the physical copy, there's the ebook. I always like to joke that if you, if you think my voice is so great, I actually read the audio book. So I was talking to somebody, he made me laugh. My buddy got, got the audible version of it. And he's like, I'd normally listen to my books on one and a half speed, but you talk too fast and I almost crashed on my treadmill <laughs> trying to try to keep up with you at one and a half speed. So, but you know, it, it's wherever people like to buy books, it's there. And, and, and honestly, like I wrote the book in such a way, like all of the books that I write something, it's like a manual for me. Cause I, like I've been going through it. I've been reading the book with my wife and my kids, you know, and I'm reading it and I'm like, Ooh, like I'm circling things. Like I got to work on this right now. Like I, I, I haven't, like, I'm not writing this as somebody who's like, I got this thing licked and I, and I got this thing down and I'm, I'm the man. I'm so happy all the time. It's like, no, God is constantly wanting to adjust my perspective and focus me on Jesus and say, Hey, listen, I want you to, I want you to move through this world differently than everybody else because you're, you're rooted and grounded in me. And, and, and I have brought you joy and, and I want you to see the world differently because I'm at work in the midst of all of this madness, but don't join the madness. I want, I want, I want you to be light in the darkness. Boom. That is like, that is so true. Be a, be a light in the darkness. And I think a lot of times we, some, you know, it's so easy to approach things with more darkness. <laughs> you're just like, you're turning it down even more, you know, instead of, instead of lighting it up. And that is the lesson I think we're coming off of a crazy year, speaking of crazy happy, with crazy COVID and cra all these other things, crazy in, in a different way, not the crazy we're talking about and crazy happy. And people are really looking for the truth and it's a great time to reach people. But sometimes we got to reach into ourselves first and make sure that we're actually finding the right kind of happiness and that we're aligned with God the way we need to be. So I appreciate that you wrote this. Oh, thanks so much. And so as we close the podcast out for today, on behalf of my friend, Billy Hallowell, myself, Daniel Fusco. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank, and, and listen, just go sprinkle some crazy happiness everywhere you find yourself today. God bless you, everybody. Jesus is real. Many of us would probably be quick to agree that the world's definition of happiness is rather reliant upon circumstances and resources. 
However, whether one is a believer or not, it doesn't take much to recognize that those with everything they think would make them happy are often far from it. In today's discussion, Pastor Daniel and host Billy Hallowell reminded us that true happiness can only be found in and through Christ. If you'd like to listen to more from the Crazy Happy Podcast, you can visit JesusIsRealRadio.com or look for Pastor Daniel Fusco on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be notified each time a new edition is posted. And then be sure to join Pastor Daniel and journalist Billy Hallowell for more discussions and interviews that are relevant to your life today. Now back to Josh with a preview for next Friday's edition. What a great discussion regarding the person of Jesus Christ being the ultimate source of happiness. We hope that today's discussion between Pastor Daniel and host Billy Hallowell provided you with some powerful insights regarding happiness and how it improves your witness as a believer in an otherwise lost and hopeless world. Be sure to catch their next discussion about love and truth. Well, that's all the time we have for this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco and host Billy Hallowell. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today. And be sure to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.